welcome to the Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. Good morning, good afternoon, everyone on the phone call. My name is Eric, and I am a grateful recovering sexaholic. My sobriety date is January 14th of 2020, and uh, entered the program, oddly enough, January 16th of 2020. Uh, For whatever reason, in my brain, I wanted to have some sobriety under my belt before I actually walked through the door. So uh, that's a little bit of my story. And where I really want to start is, as Rena mentioned, is with an emotional affair. And it's only within the last couple of months that I have even been able to say out loud uh, that that's exactly what it was. Uh, I didn't have any concept of what I was doing at the time. And that's just an indication of how sick I really was. Um, It started with a uh, woman about 10 years younger than I am and um, interestingly enough has a very similar uh, personality profile to my wife. And uh, what I was looking for at the time was somebody to be friends with and uh, somebody to um, share some work struggles with, et cetera. And what I thought was simply a friendship turned into something that I recognize now as way way deeper than that. And uh, in that time, I found out that uh, one of the things that we shared was a, uh, a propensity to, uh, to masturbate, to look at pornography, etc. And at the time, I was looking for any help I could get. I knew I had a problem. I just wasn't willing to admit how uh, sick I really was. And so I asked this person to be an accountability partner, um, those kinds of things, not knowing uh, what this program was at all, just knowing that I needed help. And interestingly enough, as we got farther and farther deeper into the relationship, um, of course, the cracks started to appear. um, And she actually mentioned to me uh, about the program SA. And so right before she broke our relationship, um, she mentioned to me, Eric, you might want to uh, check out this program. Um, it's across town. Uh, you know some people in it, et cetera, et cetera, and you probably want to give them a call. And so uh, through that pain, through that uh, turmoil, through that uh, relationship that was toxic and ill-advised, um, I found healing and found recovery because it was really through her that I found a door to what I was really looking for in the rooms of SA. So what led me up to that emotional affair? Um, Like a lot of people in these rooms, uh, I came from an emotionally distant family. Uh, My parents were not there for me emotionally. I love you was uh, never or hardly ever said in our family, um, And it's just recently that I've been able to express to them my actual needs and being able to hear that and know that they they mean it. Um, And 
I didn't know what to do as a little kid uh, with that emotionally distant upbringing. And so my first escape was into reading and into books. And it's, it's hard for a parent to look at their kid and say, well, they're reading a book. Um, that's probably a good thing. Uh, but what I was doing is I was really covering up the, the lack of emotional support that I got from my family. And I was diving into my first attempts at fantasy. You know, books were a way to escape reality into a fantasy world. And I found myself literally reading books cover to cover simply as a form of escape. And again, I'm, not, I'm only able now to recognize that as uh, something that I was doing as a young child. I was also teased and bullied as a kid. I've heard a lot of people talk about that in these uh, speaker meetings, so not unique in that situation. Uh, and I always felt so- socially, socially awkward, socially distant from others. And one of the things that I've learned about myself in this program is that I just don't pick up on uh, nonverbal cues, social cues very well. Uh, and they continue to be a challenge for me. Uh, thankfully, I've been given some tools on how to navigate that. But as a kid, I just didn't get it. And so escape became the the way out of those situations. Um, so, yeah, escape was the uh, was the easy way out. Um, it was. Uh, it was, it was easier than trying to do anything different, uh, and I didn't know anything different. Um, but what I recognized in myself was that it's, it's really my self-will run riot. I was trying to control, manage uh, myself, the world around me, et cetera, the best I could with the tools I had, which I realize now were not many. Um, and then puberty hit and like many young boys recognized the joy of my own body and that became a new outlet and escape uh started objectifying myself um it was uh, i hit puberty before the dawn of the internet and so um i was easy to objectify uh, women in catalogs and things like that but that was my first foray into objectification Uh, My dad was an art major, and so there were art books and things like that around that had uh, women in them, and so I used that as as an outlet of escape as well. And then I went off to college. Um, And college, I entered college right at the, uh, right at kind of the dawn of the high-speed internet era, and it was at the prompting of um, one of my my roommate's female friends uh, to look up some pornography, and that was like a giant electrical switch. If you guys can imagine one of those horror movies or something like that, where they're uh, turning off the power grid to the entire city or whatnot, one of those big electrical switches, I literally felt that in the back of my head. Um, It just was this big clunk and this whole new circuitry uh, came on in my mind. And uh, as other people have said, and I I, uh, have seen it in myself, I was off to the races and there was no turning back. And that was literally my life for 20 years was uh, acting out with, uh, with pictures, images, videos, etc. And uh, I thought I could control it. It felt good to be able to escape. It felt good to be able to be in control. Um, and then it just became this thing that started to have control of me. Um, and so it brings me back to the affair, right? That all of a sudden I found my life being wildly out of control and I could no longer control my impulses, my instincts. I was reacting to everything. Um, some of the things that are talked about in 
the problem were my life. I just didn't understand how the world worked. I thought it needed to revolve around me, and I felt wildly out of control. Um, so the affair ended uh, the sometime spring of 2019, and um, I found myself in a haze and in a fog. And then I found myself literally staring into the abyss. And I've heard other people talk about this. So there must be something real to it because I literally found myself staring into this darkness. And I knew that the next step I was going to take um, I didn't want to take it, but I knew I was going to step off into this darkness if I didn't find some kind of help. And I knew it was going to be horrible consequences. I knew that there was going to be scandal in my family. I knew there was going to be scandal in my faith tradition. I knew there was going to be scandal in my town. Um, I live in a small town. People know who I am. Uh, I knew it was going to be this scandalous situation. And staring off into that darkness, it was this feeling of, I didn't care. I was going to go down this path, and there was going to be no return. And thankfully, by the grace of God, um, I, was, I was pulled back from that. I walked myself into uh, the rooms of SA and found what I believe to be the solution to the problem that I had been searching for for so many years. And um, yeah, I just, I can't say enough that God has done for me what I was unable to do for myself. And so I'll transition now to what I have found to be my solution. And I can't say that it is everybody's, but it's certainly, certainly mine. Um, I grew up in a religious house. I grew up with a religious tradition and I'm pretty committed, not pretty. I am committed to my religious tradition. The thing was, I found that through this program that I was simply a religious person and not a spiritual person. And so the God of my understanding has greatly changed by being a member of this program. I could say, I could do, I could be the religious person. Um, you know, like it says, the, the outsides of others didn't match my insides. I could make my outsides look great. I could make people think all kinds of stuff about me and what kinds of great religious work I was doing. Uh, but my insides didn't match. And uh, that those cracks are starting to show. I've talked to people in my uh, religious community, and they uh, every once in a while um, they don't know what I'm doing, but they see a change in me, and so it, it comes up every once in a while that those cracks were showing. And um, thankfully, this program has taught me a a new way, uh, a way of spirituality and religiosity. And there's a huge benefit I see to having both. Um, you know, the God of my understanding uh, at the beginning, before I came into this program, uh, I call him Amazon Prime or God Prime, right? That uh, those of us that remember Wiley Coyote and Acme Delivery back in the day, Wiley Coyote would try and uh, uh, catch the bird. He'd order something online, you know, whatever it was, rocket roller skates. And literally 30 seconds later, uh, it was showing up at his door, right? And I thought that was who God was, that if I asked, I would receive. And it had to be on my timeline. And what I've realized in this program is that, um, you know, it's a matter of expectations leading to future resentments. And I was super angry with God because it didn't match my timeline. And what I've realized is I was also asking for things that were my will, my wants, my desires. It had nothing to do actually with God or what his will was for my life. Um, 
I also thought that bad feelings meant that I was a bad person. And uh, that's also something that I've learned uh, in this program is that bad feelings are just that. They're temporary, just like good feelings. And that's one of the biggest things I've learned in this program is that feelings are something temporary, good, bad, indifferent. It's just, it will pass. And uh, we don't know what the next step is going to be. And so I found myself constantly playing God to make myself feel better. And that's really what acting out pornography, et cetera, did for me was it allowed me to play God, allowed me to make myself feel better and make those bad feelings go away. But it doesn't work in the end. At least it doesn't for me. And so now uh, working the first three steps, right, I found this new sense of freedom and joy and happiness, knowing that God's timing is not my timing, that I don't have to be in control of everything. Uh, God's will might not necessarily be my will, and I can get rid of my own ego and my own selfishness uh, and leave that to somebody else. I can leave big problems up to somebody who can handle them because I found out I am not capable of handling everybody else's problems. And this recognition that, uh, again, feelings are just temporary, good, bad, indifferent. It's just like each day. Each day is simply temporary. And uh, somebody posted in the chat earlier that uh, we can't live today's sobriety on yesterday's sobriety. Today's a brand new day. I've got to turn that back over to God um, and learn, learn to, um, to live in his will each and every day. And you know, I'll, I'll take a few minutes to talk about we've been ta uh, in our home group uh, working through the Step Into Action book. We're just finishing Step 11. And, you know, some of those things in Step 11 that I've included recently in my prayer life, uh, meditation life, are uh, I set an alarm for noon, uh, my time, 3 and 6 o'clock. Just as a simple reminder, it goes off. It doesn't have to be for me a long period of meditation, uh, but it's simply a reminder that I need to recenter myself because I easily forget who's in charge. I easily forget who's in control. And simply having that reminder on my phone that goes off on a regular basis simply to recenter myself has been a huge benefit. Um, I found myself meditating um, more often. I noticed that had gotten replaced with other things in my life. And so I've started to include those things in my life again. Um, and just living a life connected as best I can to my higher power. Um, and so I will finish with this. You know, my, uh, my life is uh, much better than it was previously, um, but it's not perfect. And that's okay. I've realized that I can be accepting of imperfection, and I never wanted to be before. I, I always thought things needed to be perfect, and I needed to do the work to make them perfect. And um, I've learned through this program that imperfection is, is okay. It doesn't need to be perfect to be beautiful. And so something happened the other day, and uh, I was really triggered. I, I enjoy uh, going to the gym. Uh, I've done that for a long time. Uh, the, my physical health uh, is just as important to me, uh, has been more important to me than my spiritual health. And thankfully, uh, this program has taught me that doing the spiritual push-ups is just as important as doing the physical push-ups. And you know, something happened at the gym that was super triggering. Um, and normally that would be an impetus for me to just go on a, a several day bender and disappear from the world, act out, do all those things. And what I realized is, you know, that was just something that happened. I can't control other people. I can't control what they wear, what they say, what they do, anything like that. But what I do have control over is myself. And I called my sponsor. I got super explicit about what happened. Um, 
I did, did some things um, that I was proud of and uh, I can't get rid of the trigger, but I did a bunch of things that I've realized now are um, the way to handle those kinds of situations. And what I was reminded about recently in that is that, um, you know, my, my own sick thinking is part of the cause of the trigger, right? If I hadn't been a sexaholic, I probably wouldn't have been triggered the way I was. It was my own previous thinking uh, that even caused the trigger. And then anything that happens after that is also any fantasies that I uh, continue to have, uh, things like that are simply a function of my own uh, poor thinking uh, prior to this program. And so, you know, this program has taught me it's, you know, so again, it's, it's my thinking. I can get that out. I can surrender it to my sponsor, to my higher power, whoever that needs to be. And so for me, the work's not finished, you know, just like going to the gym is a daily exercise for my body. Working these steps is a daily spiritual exercise. And each day, uh, hopefully I am getting a little bit stronger, a little bit better and uh, able to meet the challenges as they arise. Um, and turning those things over to God that I have no control over and accepting the things that he has given me as part of his will. Um, so I'll finish with this. I've seen huge miracles happen. I realize that um, they're not done yet. And I don't think God is done with me. I don't think this program is done with me. Uh, and I've heard other people say it, don't leave before the miracle happens. I don't think the big miracles happened yet. I've seen a bunch of miracles happen in my life, but I don't think the big one's here yet. And um, I look forward to that happening, whatever it may be. So um, with that, I will uh, pass it back to Rena and Q&A. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Eric from California, who is our speaker today. So welcome, everyone. For those of you who joined after Eric started speaking, today is our speaker meeting. And we are now going to entertain questions from everyone in the audience. So thanks to those of you who are new to this call for joining us today. And here are some rules of the road in order to participate in the Q&A. We avoid topics that can lead to dissension or distraction. We also avoid explicit sexual descriptions and sexually abusive language. The emphasis is on honesty, recovery, and healing, how to apply the 12 steps and traditions in our daily lives. No crosstalk please, which means interrupting, giving advice, or criticizing someone else's share. If you feel someone's getting too explicit, you may so signify by saying my hand is raised, at which point I will consult a group conscience. All right, so if you would like to ask our speaker a question, please press star six to unmute your line, uh, state your name and location, and ask away. Hello, this is John Grateful, Recovering Sexaholic in Minnesota. Uh, could I ask a question? Please. Yes, please go ahead. Oh, thank you, Eric, uh, for your share today. And um, I'm sorry I missed a little bit of, <clears throat> of it in the middle. Had to step away. Um, I, I had a question. Um, you are talking about the, you know, keeping your physical body in shape and also your spiritual life in shape. Uh, do you do anything in particular for your emotional life in particular um, as far as, you know, therapy or something like that? I, I'm just kind of curious what, what, what you do for that. Thanks. Yeah, John, I really appreciate the question. Thank, thank you for asking that. Um, so a couple of things. I, I am not currently seeing a therapist, but I uh, have been in and out of therapy a few times. And uh, 
one of the things I will say is that in, in the course of being in this program, working the 12 steps, I started seeing my therapist again. And it was the first time that I was actually honest, fully honest with my therapist about what I was doing, what I was working on, um, et cetera. You know, when, when I was not in recovery, uh, I wasn't totally honest with my therapist. Uh, it's easy to lie about uh, a lot of things when you're not in recovery. Um, but working with her and being sober to recognize myself and my relationships with other people, uh, I have a good family friend that I was talking to uh, in, the, in the middle of working uh, my 12 steps, um, so sometime in the middle of 2020. And uh, they have an autistic daughter, and I was talking to her about um, autism and uh, what it's like to live with, uh, with somebody who is um, older but has the, the mental capacity of a 13-year-old, let's say. And she started talking about her son, and all of a sudden in her, the course of talking to her son, I was, I was hitting all the checkboxes, and it turns out uh, that her son is also on the spectrum and has Asperger's. And so one of the things I did in the course of working the 12 steps was went to my therapist and uh, went through the diagnosis process. And so um, I found out that I, I, do, I am on the spectrum. I do have Asperger's, and uh, that's one of the reasons that I don't pick up on social cues and things like that. So, um, yeah, that's been a, an important part of my uh, recovery. Oh, and then, yeah. oh, sorry. Go ahead, Eric. Sorry. <laughs> and then the, uh, the other thing that I've also found out recently is that I am a candidate and have been attending SNON meetings. So when you talk about emotional sobriety, there's still a lot of work. Uh, I've, I've dealt myself a ton of traumatic experiences in my own life. And so I am working uh, the Essanon program uh, as a way to recover from the trauma that I have created in my own life. Um, and yeah, there's just things in SA that I've realized I, um, I'm not getting the, all the healing from. And so, um, yeah, that's another thing that I'm doing for my emotional sobriety. Oh, thank you so much, Eric. And uh, I wish you all the best in that. It does help, I know. All right. Thank you very much. John in Minnesota. Who else would like to ask a question? Please come on in. Press star six to be able to unmute your line. Yes, this is uh, John in Mississippi. Uh, I have a question. Um, <clears throat> as far as just um, your ongoing uh, sobriety journey and recovery journey, uh, do you still have um, uh, kind of a compulsivity or obsession, or um, are you totally not, you know, not, not triggered, so to speak, um, and if so, when, when did it kind of subside? I appreciate the question, John. Uh, 
Yes. Am, do I still live with compulsion, with obsession, those types of things? I, I do. And I've heard other people talk about that being removed. And um, that's one of the things I actually I prayed about the other day uh, when I was when I was triggered by um, that that scene in the gym was um, that that night I, I was in bed and I was praying and I literally just cried out in my prayer, please have this obsession removed from me because I didn't like that feeling, right? It's in our literature, like we recoil from these things like a hot flame. I did not like that experience. Um, it, it, was not, it was not beneficial to me in any way, shape or form like it would have been uh, prior to recovery. Um, there, was, there was no good thing uh, playing the tape to the end. Uh, so I would love that obsession to be removed from me, and I believe that it will be uh, based on my experience of others in this program. Um, hopefully that answers the question. Yes, that's very helpful. Thank you. Jeff from Massachusetts. Go ahead, Jeff. Go ahead, Jeff. Thanks, Eric. Yes, you you'd mentioned um, you know connection with higher power. So I was just wondering, what are the um, the signs during the day, hours, and minutes that tell you you're connected with your higher power versus not being connected with your higher power? That is also, thanks for the question, Jeff, and that's also something that I am, that I am working on. I will say in, in this particular moment, uh, I've, I've had these experiences early on in the program, um, and that's why I say I don't believe the, the big miracle has happened yet, but uh, early on in working the steps, I felt this much greater connection to my higher power, meaning that um, I, I I literally felt his presence. There were a few times when, um, when I realized I was not in a state of surrender and I, I had this experience, this kind of visual and emotional experience where I literally felt myself uh, kind of like doing, doing those things we do at camp, you know, a trust fall where you stand on a log and then you fall back into the arms of uh, the waiting campers below you. Um, I felt that with God a while back and uh, it was one of those first moments that I really realized that uh, God could do for me what I couldn't do for myself mm. and that I could really trust him because uh, I really did have a trust problem with uh, with the God of my understanding. And I will say that that connection didn't last that long. And I've found myself these days working on uh, growing that connection again, because I know it's there somewhere. Um, and I just don't experience that you know, on a constant basis. Uh, I will say that uh, recently, every once in a while, um, things happen in my life that I recognize are not my handiwork. So recently, uh, a friend of mine, uh, who we haven't seen each other in a couple of years, and we've been trying to reconnect and finally had that opportunity to do so. We went out and had lunch together the other day. And over the course of the conversation, uh, one, I had no control over the time frame. Uh, so that, that was God working. We just happened to reconnect with each other, and it finally worked. We had been trying to do it for months. Uh, so that was my, my handiwork, um, or not my handiwork. And then over the course of our conversation, he was talking about things that I couldn't have anticipated. And I recognized that um, 
again, that, that I wasn't, uh, I wasn't in control of this situation at all. And then come mm-hmm. to find out mm-hmm. he was working his own spiritual program, uh, outside the 12 steps. It was something else, but it was, um, him working the 12 steps in his own way. And I was, uh, I was taken aback by that because we were talking about the same spiritual principles, uh, but just coming at it from different avenues. And again, it, it was mm-hmm. this recognition that, it doesn't matter how we come to our higher power. It doesn't matter how we work the 12 steps. Um, it's totally out of my control. And at the end of the day, he's found healing. I found healing. And um, there's, there's our higher power at work. And it was a beautiful moment that we got to spend with each other. So hopefully that answers the question. Thank you very much. Good to hear you. This is Joseph. Uh, recovered sexaholic from New Jersey. I'd like to ask a question. Sure, Joseph. Go ahead. Thank you, Rena. Uh, yeah, my safari date is February 22nd of uh, 2019, and I worked through the steps. I try to live them now. Uh, the question I have for you is that... Uh, when I see a trigger, I pray God bless and make a blessing in the life, or God remove this right to loss from me. What do you see when you, when you see a trigger? What do you do, Joseph? That's a good question. And uh, what does our literature say? Sometimes these things happen quickly, and sometimes they happen slowly. And uh, uh, I appreciate your reminder of what our literature says to do when we see a trigger. I'm not very good at that right now. And it's one of those things that uh, I can work on. And so I'm going to make a note to myself and uh, maybe one of these days it will stick um, that praying for the other person is always a, uh, always a good idea. So I appreciate the reminder. <laughs> Thank you. And thanks for sharing your story. You're welcome. All right. This is Marcus you, Key from California. Oh, Rena, go ahead, sister. Sorry. Yes, go ahead. Hey, go everybody. Ahead, Marcus, Beachaholic in California. Eric, thanks for your share. Uh, my question for you is, how has the dynamic of your relationship with your wife changed since coming into recovery and working the steps? Thanks. Yeah, um, you know, it's... Uh, it's it's not just working working the steps with with my spouse uh, that's changed. It's it's really a uh, I'll I'll expand that a little bit and and talk about my whole family. Um, so one one of the things uh, I didn't talk about was was my ninth step amends, and I've uh, worked worked that rigorously and crossed as many people off of the list as possible. Um, and one of the beauties that I found in in working the ninth step amends was I was able to uh, do that with my, my parents and um, they were, they were very taken aback that I was in uh, any kind of uh, problem. But as we got started talking about it, um, my mom said, you know, Eric, this last 12 months or whatever, like I've, I've noticed this huge shift in your attitude, how you deal with things, how you treat me. Um, she said, you know, you've always been a very angry person. And, um, these last months that you've been uh, working this program, uh, I didn't even know, but you've been less angry. And so I, I took that as a sign that, you know, this, this program actually works. It, it promises what it, uh, it'll do for me, what I can't do for myself. Um, and then to get back to my family, you know, it's, uh, it's been amazing really. Um, 
my my wife recently pulled out. So in the midst of, and I'll, I'll talk about my affair. Hopefully this isn't too too explicit, but I'll I'll dive into that because uh, she was there in the midst of that and um, knows the person. It was somebody from our church, um, so she knows the person. Um, and so I I kept claiming that this was just simply a friendship and. She wrote a three-page document of uh, basically ground rules. Eric, have you thought about this? Eric, what does this mean? Da, 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 da. And we went through that in detail uh, about what our what my relationship with this other person was going to look like. Um, and looking back on that, it was you know she pulled it out the other day, and I looked at it again and. I said, my goodness, I have come a long ways in these 19 months. Our relationship has come a long ways in these 19 months uh, because I, I recognize now I don't share my intimate details with other people. Um, that's not the right place for that. Um, my, uh, I don't get, I don't blame her as much uh, as much. I still do. I'm not perfect in that either. Uh, but we don't play the the manipulative games that we used to, and we call each other out when we start to do that. And that's uh, that's really been a healing thing. Our kids. Uh, I have three three young children. Um, my dot my oldest daughter uh, just turned seven, and I like to talk about her a lot because um, you know she is. She experienced firsthand um, both my addictive behavior and my recovery behavior. And the other two are too young to remember dad as an addict, but she's not. And so in her little way, she brings up all of the misguided and misinformed and hurtful things that I have done. And I take that stuff seriously, right? That like, I see myself as seven-year-old Eric doing some of the things she's doing as a seven-year-old kid. And I recognize, oh, that's that's what that is. That's her trying in her best way to make sense of the world and tell me that something is wrong. Uh, yesterday in the bath, um, I got upset with her about something, and she said, "Eric, why or Dad, uh, why do why do you yell at me and then give the other kids a pass, dude?" And that like was an arrow through the heart, right? That like my seven year old daughter recognizes that. I am a screwed up person. Uh, and that hurts. Um, I, I jokingly and lovingly uh, recognize that um, sometimes she's a better adult right now than I am. And um, there's something to be said about that. Uh, it keeps me humble, it keeps my ego in check. And so today I had the opportunity to make an amends. I said, look, this, this is on me. This is my stuff I'm dealing with. And it, it shows up in when I, how I treat you. And it's not fair, it has nothing to do with you. And, um, yeah, I just I, I've seen a world of change in in the last 19 months and how I interact with with my wife, my kids, and uh, the people around me. So I'll pass. Thanks. Thanks, Eric. Okay, we have a few more minutes for Q and A before we uh, pause for a break. If you have not yet asked a question and you don't want to be on the recording. I'll be happy to pause the recording at your request so you can ask a question of our speaker today. Again, press star six if you want to unmute your line.
I'll go ahead and ask a question. So you talked about how um, initially you were looking for a friend, right? So even though it was in all the wrong places, but that was still a need that you were trying to get filled, um, however selfish that might have been. So how do you how do you get those needs met now? Um, and how do you make sure that, like, what are the signs to you when you're just trying to be controlling of a situation? How do you know that you're trying to play God in a situation to make yourself feel better? Um, and how do you deal with the, with, with the discomfort of the things you're trying to avoid? Yeah, there's, uh, there's some, uh, <laughs> some good stuff in there, Rena. Thank you. Um, right, right now I, I, I'll liken it to, to riding a bike or learning to play a sport or anything like that. Right now in my own recovery, uh, I'm recognizing these things, let's say, af- after the fact, right, that you fall off the bike, you skin your knee, right, the consequence of, of the action. And that's kind of where I am right now. Um, may- maybe one day I'll learn to do, uh, do these things before they happen. Um, but right now it's kind of those, those guideposts or whatever, the guardrails that uh, come out for me. One, I recognize where those are. I, I recognize now where I've rubbed up against something like that, uh, usually after the fact. Uh, but for me, that's okay. Uh, I've learned to um, and recognize that I can love myself through that, that this is a learning process, a learning experience. And we have to, I have to, um, and I say we because it's also my family that's relearning um, how we communicate with each other and stuff like that. But for me personally, um, yeah, just the other day, I, I had to uh, had to tell my wife, it's like, look, I was trying to control the outcome right here. And that's totally inappropriate. Um, and uh, but it, it happened after the after the fact, I didn't recognize it in the moment. Uh, and I've also recognized so one of one of the challenges that I've recognized in the fact that I um, do have um, Asperger's is so there, there's this dual this dual thing that like too much of a good thing is never enough. So that comes from both my lack of understanding social cues and from being a sexaholic uh, I've recognized. And so working the program, uh, having the therapy help, et cetera. um, What do I look for now in a friendship is wildly different than what I look for uh, in friendships previously to recovery. And so I don't push as hard. I don't, um, I don't throw everything out there um, all at the beginning. Um, I, I, I'm much more reserved uh, than I used to be. And I've learned to recognize, oh, this is what an actual friendship looks like because it's okay for everybody else. It was never okay for me uh, to have a friend, friendship uh, where you talk to somebody, you know, whatever it is, every couple of years. Like that just wasn't okay with me. I didn't think that's what friendship was. Um, but now I recognize, no, that's totally fine. Um, we picked up, like I said, my, uh, my friend the other day, we hadn't seen each other. We picked up right where we left off. It was totally fine. Uh, other people that I'm friends with were totally fine. Um, you know, some, because of what, what I do, um, you know, I, I do interact with, uh, with both females and males in, in what I do. Um, and I've recognized that I need to stay on my side of the street. And, um, I also recognize like when, when I'm getting too close and, uh, too sherry, um, with, with the opposite sex. So it, it, this program has really been uh, super, super helpful in just setting up what appropriate guideposts are supposed to be guidelines, et cetera, um, in terms of my own recovery and my own understanding of what the, what reality and what the world is around me. 
Thank you so much. Hey, Raina. It's Angie Missouri. Hey, Angie. Come on in. Yeah, thank you so much, Eric. Um, I've really enjoyed listening to your story today. And there were so many things that I could really resonate. Uh, the healing in the family, when you were talking about your seven-year-old, um, we have four sons and rewind six years ago. My oldest was 21. And just because we all had chronological age didn't mean that we were that age. We were all very stunted in our emotions because we, none of us knew how to express in a healthy way or be vulnerable. And so we've all grown up together. In fact, I told my boys, uh, your mom's growing up right beside you. And that's just really been an amazing thing. Um, the other thing that I really resonated with was the fact that this is a spiritual group. I've been in church my whole life, but the relationship and the conscious contact that I experience now is way different than just showing up at church once a week or maybe saying a prayer at the family table. So I wanted to uh, thank you for that as well. Um, just proud to know you, proud to walk this road with you. And again, thanks for sharing your story. I'll pass back to you, Rena. <coughs> All right. Thank you, Angie. You can feel free to respond to that if you want. Uh, the, the only, yeah, no, I appreciate the, uh, the kind words, Angie, and uh, I'm glad to know you as well and, and other people on this call that uh, I'm familiar with. Um, you know, this, I, I have learned so much in my own life and um, in the spiritual journey. Uh, it's, it's amazing to me uh, how lacking I was in any type of spirituality. And uh, it doesn't matter what faith tradition we come from or lack of faith tradition we come from. Uh, I have learned and experienced uh, strength and hope from everybody in this program. And it's been absolutely wonderful uh, to be a part of this. Um, I, I it, It's Somebody mentioned to me that uh, this group, uh, these 12-step groups, is like having God with skin on, and, and it's true that uh, it doesn't matter who the God of your understanding is or the God of my understanding. It doesn't matter that this group is God with skin on, and we learn from each other, and we, um, we grow from, from helping each other out, and it's just it's been a beautiful thing that I've been able to be a part of the last time. Thank you, everybody, for walking this road with me. All right. So thank you again so very much. We're going to stop here for some announcements, and then we're going to come back to Q&A. Again, thank you, Eric, in California, for being our speaker today and doing a really good service for all of us. Thank you so much. You're welcome. I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve.